It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book as we welcome you to another broadcast of the Riches of Grace. This program is the radio voice of Grace School of the Bible and is brought to you by Christian people who believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. At the heart of our ministry is the desire to help you appreciate and rejoice in the riches of God's grace to us in Christ. That's why we call this program The Riches of Grace. We're happy you've tuned our way today and trust that our time together will prove a real blessing as we continue with a series of studies designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. My name is Alex Kurz, and it's my privilege to invite you to join us as Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, brings us another message from the Word of God. Thank you, Alex, and what a joy it is, again, my friends, to be able to turn to the Scriptures and allow the Spirit of God to speak to us through His Word. Today we're going to examine a, a topic of, uh, of uh, what is real uh, important in the Christian life, something that's very basic. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, when he, when he concludes the, the great epistle to the Ephesians, he, 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 he's talked to them about their wealth in Christ, and then he's talked to them about their walk in Christ, and he says, finally... Now, in other words, I want to leave you with these thoughts. He's going to have a closing thought to this great epistle, and you wonder, what in the world else could he talk about? And he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know that issue about being strong in the Lord. There's a great deal of discussion today uh, about uh, about being strong. Uh, there's a great deal of discussion in, in, in uh, Christian circles about uh, how we can impact the world about us and how we can make an impression on, on, in, in the culture and the, the society about us and how we can have a strong uh, impact, whether it's in the political arena or the economic arena or the, the social arena, uh, wherever, to be, to be uh, uh, a catalyst for truth and for justice and for, for right. And where does the strength for that come from? Where does that come from? And people are all the time talking about, you know, you know, the Lord will strengthen you to do this, and the Lord will strengthen you to do that, and the Lord will make you strong in this area. But it's fascinating that Paul doesn't say, be strengthened by the Lord. Uh, he, he wrote Timothy, he said, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say, be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And doesn't be, he doesn't say, by the Lord. You notice that? He said, be strong in the Lord. Now, those little prepositions, uh, like by and in, are very important. Um, the issue is being strong in the Lord. You see, God has given us a position, a standing, an identity in Christ. And, and our strength is in that identity that he's given us in Christ. Our strength as believers is, is found in who God has made us in his Son. It's not something that we have to seek to obtain. It's not something he has to give to us that we don't already have. And that's, that's something you have to uh, sort of get a little mental shift in your mind to realize you're not, you don't have to go to God to get God to give you something, God has already given you everything he wants you to have. And he gave it to you in Christ. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, we are told in great detail who we are in Christ Jesus. He says in the th third verse of the first chapter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. 
In other words, you and I have been, been given all these things that God has for us. Every spiritual benefit that God has for us is already ours. We're made complete in Christ. Now, that's where you start from. That's not where you try to get to. That's where the Christian life begins. You're not down at the bottom of a ladder with a pot of gold up at the top and a pot of blessings at the top that you have to climb up the ladder to get to. You're not on a treadmill that if you run fast enough, you run hard enough, you run straight enough, and you run long enough, you'll get God to bless you. Rather, God puts you in Christ, and how shall he that spared not his own son also with him freely give us all things? And the book of Ephesians uh, tells us in detail who we are in Christ and what it means to be one with him and how he sees us, how God sees us in the uh, spiritual accomplishments of his son. That's what it means to be in Christ. When God looks at you, he sees you in the spiritual accomplishments and victory. Son, we're baptized, as many of us have been baptized into Jesus Christ, have been baptized into his death. We've been buried with them by baptism into death, that we might be raised with him to walk in new life. You see, the issue, and I said every time I quote that passage in Romans 6, you know that the baptism in Romans 6, by, that we are baptized into Jesus Christ, has nothing to do with a water ceremony. I mean, you know that instinctively. I got an email from a fellow recently. He says, well, Jordan... All, everybody in church history for 2,000 years has known Romans 6 as water baptism. Well, no, they haven't. No, they haven't. You're just talking about the crowd you hang around with. That's all you're talking about. Uh, you're talking about uh, the crowd that you run with, and uh, you've got blinders on. You don't see anybody else but you, and you don't think anybody else got any truth but you, and you're right and everybody else is wrong. That's the only reason. That's the only reason anybody say something like that. The historic Christian position is, well, the historic Christian position has been wrong over and over and over and over again, hadn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know that. The issue isn't what your tradition is. The issue isn't what your church says, your preacher says, or what you want to be right. The issue is what God says. And when you just think about that, know you not that as many of us have been baptized into Jesus, been baptized into his death. What did the verse say you were baptized in? It didn't say you were baptized in water. It said you were baptized into Jesus Christ. Now, you think about that. How in the world could that ever be accomplished? How in the world could that ever happen? Well, you know it's, it isn't a natural thing, a normal thing, a physical thing. It has to be a supernatural thing. It has to be something God did. You couldn't do that. No preacher, no priest, no pundit, no, no one on your behalf could accomplish that. It's something God did. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ, the Bible says, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. You see, every time the word baptized shows up in the Bible, you shouldn't just automatically go, water. You know, people people have that kind of reaction, knee-jerk reaction. But there's a lot of different kind of baptisms in the Bible besides water baptism. And the one in Romans 6 and the one in 1 Corinthians 12 and the one in Galatians 3 and the one in Colossians 2 well, those are all spirit baptism. The one in Ephesians 4, 5, the one baptism there is by one spirit. Are we all baptized into one body? And the one baptism performed by the one spirit into the one body of Christ puts you into Jesus Christ. And in Christ, when you're there, God sees you 
in the spiritual accomplishments of his son. We're resting in his work, in his glorious accomplishments of what he's done at Calvary. The finished work of the cross provides a finality for me, for everything where God took care of all that's wrong with me, and the reality of his resurrection life is my present possession because I'm in him. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, the answer to the great cosmic issues of the age are identified to be in Christ. What do people want? What do they need? What are, what are the things that stir the minds of people and the hearts of people and the lives of people? Well, people are alienated. They want to be loved. They want to be important. They want to belong. They want to have an identity that's significant. On the negative side of that, they feel alienated, cut off, unloved, unimportant. Nobody. And thus they strive to gain love. Just give me enough relationships and I'll show people that I am worthy of love. Some I can get somebody to love me, value me. I can get somebody to let me belong to their group. I can get an identity. And that drives people. Well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, he says that God has blessed us according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You want to be loved? You want to be important? You want to belong to something? You want to have an identity? How about that? I mean, God is, he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose us. He looked at us and he loved us. And he had a purpose. You know what you do when you choose something? You select it out because you got something you want to do with it. He chose us in him. That's that's the issue of God choosing, selecting. And he says he did it before the foundation of the world. God had a design for you before the world began. And when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are put into something that God has been planning to do, has been purposing to do, has been thrilled about the prospects of accomplishing since before the foundation of the world. Now, you notice the verse says that he's chosen us in him, in Christ. It didn't say he chose you to be in Christ. It says he chose you in Christ. It's when you are in Christ, you then share his identity. You share, you share his identity, who he is. Now, how do you get into Christ? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse number 21 is a very important verse in this regard. 1 Corinthians 1, 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You see, God is absolutely sovereign. That's what the word God means. And in his sovereign free will, God chose to save them that believe. Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, God is pleased. God has chosen to save. 
When you believe the gospel, you, you, you lost all your confidence in the wisdom of the world, and you submitted to the final authority of God's word. And when you were placed into Christ, when you, when you believed the gospel, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, trusted him, you, when you relied exclusively on him to be your Savior, the Savior that he died for you to be. Now, I'm not talking about, and God's not talking about, and Paul's not talking about trusting Christ to help you do the things you couldn't do for yourself. Salvation is recognizing you couldn't do anything to save yourself. All the things you did came short of the glory of God. And just like someone trying to jump over a, 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 a canyon, a 100-foot canyon, some people could jump 20 feet, some people could jump 50 feet, and some people could jump 80 feet, but they all came short, and thus they all fell to their death. It isn't how you jump, it's the fact that you don't jump far enough. It's not how much further than me you can get, it's the fact that you don't get as far as God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you're not as perfect as Jesus Christ. And therefore God took his son and put him on the cross and gave his soul an offering for your sin so that he could have you as his own chosen possession. He chose you. God made a, 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 an act of his own sovereign free will to provide for you a place in his family. And having predestinated us, verse 5 says, under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Here's something God is thrilled to do. He's not only to choose you, but to adopt you. Now, that word, the adoption of children, we use that word in a lot of different ways. The, the legislature will adopt a bill. That means the, Webster's defines the word adoption to take by choice into a relationship. That's what you do when you adopt a child into your family. That's what you do when the legislature adopts a uh, a, uh, a, a bill in, in, in Congress or in uh, the state legislature, the city government. You adopt something. You adopt a measure. You take by choice into a relationship. God has taken you by choice into a relationship with him. You see, God knew everything about you, yet he accepts, he accepts you because you're in his son. He loves you in his son. And he wants you to be part of his family because you're in his son. And he wants you to sit at the table with the family as full-grown adults in Christ. Now, you know where the answer to the alienation and the and, and the and the the, uh, uh, the the drive to be loved and important and to belong and have an identity and to be you know where that is it's in Christ. People feel not only alienated they feel guilty. Um, unresolved guilt is one of the one of the great hindrances uh, in the hearts of people today. We live in an age when the greatest debility in, in, in American culture is, 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 is emotional debility. Uh, emotion, emotion, they call it mental illness and emotional illness. And they, they talk about uh, the depression and, 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 and those are the great things that people fight in man. Most of what they're fighting is really guilt that's unresolved, that's undealt with, that's unsettled. You see, people want to be approved. 
They want to be accepted. So Ephesians 1, 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. You see, the reason people feel guilty is because they are. <laughs> it isn't because they aren't. And trying to talk into believing, you know, that you aren't guilty or that you aren't responsible or that you can rename your, your sin and it isn't really sin. People feel guilty because they are. But Jesus Christ has taken away the guilt. God made him to be sin for us. He took our shame. He took our guilt. And you don't have to be guilty anymore. Jesus died for your sins, that he might give you his righteousness, that he might make you acceptable to God in him. And if you've been made acceptable to God in Christ, no matter what any other human thought about you, you'd have the acceptance that really counted. People feel trapped. They feel imprisoned, enslaved. They want to be free. They want to be liberated. I, want, I, want to, I, I just want to be able to free to live. Well, verse 7 says, And it's one in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Redemption, that's a great Bible word. You know what that word means? It means to be set free. It means to be set at liberty. It means to have, uh, uh, it means not to have to sin anymore. To be released from the enslavement of sin. You know, before you come to Christ, you, you think you're free. But you weren't. You were really a slave, and you couldn't help yourself. And and sin was so, so much a part of your life. And Jesus says, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. It became such a part of your life that people would look at you, and you'd look at your life and say, well, it's just natural for me to do that. And Jesus Christ comes along and sets you free from that. He died to redeem you. He died to set you free so you don't have to do the thing that you're doing that you don't want to do. You're free. That's what redemption is all about. That's what his blood was shed for. People are angry. They're estranged and they want peace. They want they they want they, they want they want to be some harmony and some peace in their heart. And he says we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is what brings peace. Therefore, being justified by God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, you don't have to be angry anymore. You don't have to be at war with the world or at war with God or at war with your neighbor or at war with your family or at war with yourself. Jesus Christ paid the penalty. The war is over. In Him, in Christ, we have peace. People are drifting aimlessly along, and they want some purpose, some direction. I see young people all the time, and they, they struggle with that natural struggle that you do as a young person when you begin you move into, into adult life in late teens and early 20s. What am I going to do with my life? And, and, and I see young people all the time, and I think, boy, there's someone. Somebody's going to come along and scoop them up and use them, <laughs> you know, and there, there's a great potential in this person and that person. And you have to make the – you want purpose and meaning and direction. I talked to a man one time, and he was – he had tried to commit suicide. And he, he, his, his reasoning was, I get up in the morning, I, I go to work, I come home in the evening, I, I stop at the, the grocery store and I buy a six-pack of beer and, and some, uh, 
uh, some things to eat, and I go and I sit down in the evening, and I drink the six-pack, I eat my food, I watch the TV, I go to bed, I get up in the morning, I go to work, I go by the store, buy the six-pack, go home, drink it, eat it, go to bed. He said, I've been doing that for seven years, and I'm tired of it. If that's all there is to life, I won't out. Ephesians 1 verse 8 Paul says, In the riches of his grace, God has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself, how that God has a plan and a purpose. And by the way, as a believer, you're a part of it. He says, In whom we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the working, uh, according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. As a believer, you're part of something big and wonderful that God's doing in Christ today. And there is a purpose. You're created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, it's because we're in Christ that we're strong. It's because we're in Christ. The religious system requires works uh, to get saved, to stay saved, to prove you're saved. The world allures. Satan tempts to doubt your salvation. But in Christ we're secure. In Christ, we have everything that we could ever need out there of who God has made us in his son. And we're not talking about religion. We're not talking about things that you do to try to help yourself, clean yourself up, make yourself ready for God. We're talking about what God has done for you in his son. My friend, if you've never personally chosen to rely exclusively on Jesus Christ and Him alone as your Savior, you need to do that right now. If you have a question about that, if there's something you don't understand, we're going to give you a phone number in a minute. You call us and you let us talk with you over an open Bible about it. But you need to get that settled today. And when you, if you have trusted Christ and when you have trusted Christ, you need to realize that that very instant God pleat in Jesus Christ. And every need you ever had has been satisfied there. And God made you a part of something that he's, planned, he's doing, something he planned before the foundation of the world and is going to accomplish in the ages to come. And you need to get in your Bible and find out who God made you in Christ and what it is, what the good works that he before ordained that you walk in them, how those things can live in your life. He gave his life for you at Calvary so he could give his life to you when you trusted him so he could live his life through you day by day as you walk by faith and an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you. That's why we like to give you a free Bible study tape that will help you to, to develop an understanding of these things. Uh, our tape today is called Our Great Salvation. You need to begin to develop a category uh, of, of the blessings and the identity that God has given you as a saint of the Most High God. In fact, we have a list uh, uh, written out of, of over 60 of these things that we'd be glad to give you too if you'd like to have it. But you need to know how uh, these things uh, became yours in Christ. It is God gave you and how they live and work in your life. Uh, how are they going to work in your life if you don't know them, if you don't understand them? Let me give you this free Bible study tape, Our Great Salvation. You simply call us here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That 535-2300, you request your copy of the Bible study, Our Great Salvation, and we'll see that you get a free copy. You know, my friend, there's nothing going to be more wonderful in your life ever, bar none, than to have God's Word working in you 
and appreciating, learning about, and appreciating who God has made you in Christ. That's the key to the Christian life. That's the key to everlasting life. That's the key to having God's life live in you, in the details of your life, day in and day out for God's glory. 888-535-2300, that's the number to call to get this Bible study. If you'd rather write me, you can do that, of course. Write us here at The Riches of Grace, P.O. Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's Box 9797, um, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. If you're on the World Wide Web, you can find us at graceimpact.org. Just one word, graceimpact.org. We're trying to be easy to locate. We've got some information we want to put into your hands that will transform your life for God's glory. It'll make a difference in your life as it has in countless others. The easiest way to get in touch with us, if you have a question, by the way, a prayer request, there are folks at the phone number uh, who would be happy to talk with you out of an open Bible. 885-2300, that's the number to call to get your free copy of this Bible study, Our Great Salvation. And when you're, when you're talking to the folks on the phone, if you're a real student of God's Word, or if you desire to be an in-depth student, or if you have a real heart to serve the Lord as, as, as an ambassador for Christ, let me tell you about our, our Bible Institute program, Grace School of the Bible. Grace School of the Bible is designed for you to uh, be, be edified, brought to maturity quickly, according to the Pauline design for the edification of the believer. Now, you say, well, Brother Jordan, I don't know if I'll three years. Well, you don't have to take the whole three-year curriculum at one time. You can take individual classes along the way. And the, the curriculum is available. It's called Bible Edification by Extension through the use of video. And what we do is we have the classes available to, for us to send the school to you. You don't have to come to us. We'll send the school to you, uh, and it can fit into your scheduling demands and into your life rather than uproot you and bring you to where we are. We'll send the class to you. You can be trained right where you are and continue your life and ministry in the community where you are. But the key is that you'll get the edification out of God's Word rightly divided, and you'll get it God's way. The Apostle Paul is the one that said perfected saints are to do the work of the ministry, and he's also the one in the Scripture that God uses to teach us how to perfect the saints. If you want to be a student of God's Word, a serious student, not just casual, but a serious student, you, you owe it to yourself to look into Grace School of the Bible, 888-535-2300. That's the number to call to get information about Grace School of the Bible. Also, can I tell you that there are people in your area, right where you're listening to this radio program, who love the message of grace and appreciate the Word of God rightly divided? They're the folks that put us on this radio station each week. They, they, the, the message of grace has gripped their hearts, and they've put their money where their heart is in, in, in buying the airtime for us to be on this program week after week and teach you God's Word rightly divided. If you don't have an assembly to attend this weekend where God's Word is rightly divided, where the grace message is clearly proclaimed, and the grace life is the issue, then, friends, you're robbing yourself and your family, if you have one, of the greatest asset God, that you could ever have in your life. And there are people in your neighborhood, your locality, that rejoice in these truths and meet around these truths just that way. Let me put you in touch with them, will you? You call me here at 888-535-2300. Uh, and we'll get you in touch with the folks in your area who, uh, who uh, put this program on the air and who rejoice in and stand for God's Word rightly divided. 888-535-2300, that's the number to call. 
Thanks for being with us today. We're certainly glad you've joined us, and we look forward to being with you again next week at the same time. Until then, Maranatha. At Burn Fat Orlando, we're open to help you lose up to 30 to 40 pounds in 40 days, helping you build a strong immune system, especially in these crazy times when you need it most. The Center for Control states those at greatest risk are overweight, diabetic, and or have high blood pressure. With our step-on-a-scale money-back guarantee, you'll drop the pounds, get healthy, and strengthen your immune system. Call Burn Fat Orlando for our best offer at 855-889-8447 to your in-office or phone appointment, or visit Burn Fat Orlando. Take the word with you wherever you go with our mobile app, thewordorlando.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Radio.com. Faith comes by hearing the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. A bigger and stronger voice for God's Word is now here. 50,000 watts. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. WTLN Orlando. W26ACT Orlando. Where faith comes by hearing. Make It Clear Ministries has sponsored this Make It Clear broadcast. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. whether it's a public servant or a Christian servant or however you are, that you would become a servant. And he calls them to do that. Well, the story then goes on. After he finishes that, he looks at himself and he basically says, the son of man, who he was, he said, I I came not to be served. So I'm not looked upon as the chief. You know, maybe later on, of course, the kingdom all gets started and there you kneel bow, all that. But he says, but I really came at this time in my life. I'm a model to you to serve you. And then it goes on to say how he served us. It wasn't so much that he feeds us and heals us and all that. It's that he came to die for us. We talked about that a few moments ago. Well, you would think that's the end of the story, but, you know, God is so sovereign and the picture is so big and everything he puts in Scripture is so important. He now gives us a real-life illustration to demonstrate that. Now, this all happened in Jericho. So now they're leaving Jericho, and, of course, a lot of people followed him. Of course, the 12 followed him because they're, you know, his disciples. But then he had a whole crowd of people. But as they went out of this, quite common, they would be sitting along the side of the road, all beggarly people. Carol and I, we've lived, as you know, on the mainland and other places. And the times we've had the opportunity to go from from Texas into Mexico, or sometimes we've been able to go from Southern California into Mexico. And often when you do that, as you're somehow going across the bridge and you get through all of that, very soon, very, very soon, within a matter of just a few hundred yards, you will see all sorts of people that are real beggars. You're going to see people without legs. You're going to see mothers that are just emaciated with children and they have their naked children and they're holding them up to all the tourists as they walk to Tijuana or wherever they're going to and they have a little plate there, a little basket, hoping that sorry for them to give them money. Well, that's very common in those situations. Whenever they're coming and going, travelers, merchants, they have money to take care of us. So as Jesus is going out, there are two blind guys that are there, and of course they're wanting some help. And so they're screaming out to Jesus and saying, Lord, have mercy on us. In other words, feel for us. Somehow do something, help us. And so then Jesus does something. He looks at them and he has compassion on them. And he says, what do you want me to do? And they said, that we could see. So Jesus then, with that compassion, he does something that in those days was kind of odd. He He would take his hands and he would, touch them with their disease. And that's pretty significant because when you see someone that's diseased, you, you want to get away from them, quarantine, wear the mask, stay away. Part of that's Old Testament too. 
But he wanted to show that he had power over any kind of disease and sickness, so he would just go ahead and touch them. And it said immediately they received sight. And they did what most people do properly. And they followed him. Jesus touched us in some way. There's been a love kiss and a love touch to all of us. Even if you are on the other side of faith in Christ, he is still love touching you. And it would be good for you to follow him. Now, it doesn't mean follow him to get saved, but to for those of you on that journey, you need to go explore him, search him, see what we're saying from Scripture is true. And if you have trusted Christ, boy, look what he's done for you. The greatest thing he's ever done for you is forgiven you of all sin, brought you into the forever family. And now we need to follow him because he's touched you for all eternity by giving you the free gift of eternal life by faith alone. Well, that's our story. And those 12 guys, they had to learn that because they didn't do a lot of sharing. And we're just four simple truths of what makes a great servant. Since he said, I want you to be a servant. And I'm hoping that you and I recognize that you want to be rebuked by the Lord. I don't want to have a message saying I'm not a servant. I want to be that servant God wants me to be. And from this particular series, this passage of Scripture, there are four great truths that we can learn. Very simple. Let's look at them together, shall we? The first one we're going to look at, what makes a great leader, is being aware of needy people around you. Being aware of needy people around you. It was kind of cool because Jesus, as he went out with the crowd, there was a lot of folks around him. But they really didn't see the needy people. In fact, they did just the opposite. When the needy people, those two blind guys, says, Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. What did he do? They said, Oh, be quiet. Leave him alone. Don't, don't bother Jesus is basically what it's saying there. And so what they're really doing is saying, Shut up, needy people. Today they may not say be quiet, needy people, but what they might be saying is let someone else take care of the needy people. We've got other things in our little schedule or our, our little planner that we have. We've got stuff that we've got to do. Not right now. Someone else is to do that. And Jesus says that that's not the way, but there are needy people everywhere around us. Now, here's what we need to understand. Jesus used a very significant visual of people who were blind. And a person in the Bible days, they didn't have family to take care of them often. They were, you can imagine what their fingernails must, can you imagine what they smelt like and looked like? And they were and dirty and didn't have any social skills. There's all sorts of problems around them. And so he uses that as a visual for us. But really, needy people, they could be dressed up like you and me right today. You could be 18 inches away, one arm's length away from someone who is a needy person right now, who got a, a message from the doctor, was in the supervisor's office, and they're trying to figure out whether or not to keep that person employed or not. Their son or daughter didn't come home last night or came home later. Or you smell something on a significant immediate family's breath or you found something in a cabinet or backpack there's needy people that are all around us and a great servant is one who is aware that there's a need and for just a moment is not to look at our needs but to look at the needs of others and jesus was a model of that now i know that he didn't have personal needs because he was god but on the other hand i'm sure he got hungry i'm sure he was tired i'm sure he needed a drink in fact scripture said i thirst he ate. He slept in a boat. So he had needs too, just simple needs. But he knew that others had a greater need, and it was all about modeling before others. I need to meet their needs before my needs. Here's the second great truth we can learn from this passage on what makes a great servant, and that is being forgetful about our own limitations. Now, again, Jesus may not be the best model right now because he didn't have any real limitations other than part of his physicalness. Because he was God, he can do anything he wants, the seas to be calm. But on the other sense, there is a certain degree that there is going to be some needs that people have. And there's going to be that time that we have to be there to help them out. And so as I look at our own limitations, I look at these firemen that are here in the, the 
police and others, and maybe those had to leave, but some still be here. I got thinking about them. What needs do they really have to respond Well, first of all, they probably don't need a whole lot money because they had to be certified and they had to be evaluated and they had to be cleared to be able to do what they can do. So they don't have any of that. They probably don't need more real, probably newer trucks and newer equipment and newer training. More technology would be very helpful to them, but they don't have a whole lot of limit. But sometimes they get into a situation where they really do need. I'm thinking about the two fire people in Southern California when the fires were raging. There were some guys that were We might call them convicts. We might call them incarcerated. Those guys were permitted to come out, and they were carefully watched to help fight the fire. They didn't have enough people. Well, then they realized that the fire was circling those volunteer fire people. So these two firemen in a truck went to try to rescue them and to get help at the same time. And while they did, because the road was not easily to be seen through the intense smoke, that the truck veered off the road, rolled down an embankment, and both those guys were killed. It was interesting because they said that one of the men had arm because he was so committed to be a first responder. Limitations or not, he says, I'm going to be there. What was tattooed on his arm was the following phrase. First in, last out. I thought, wouldn't make a great servant? I'm first in, I'm last out. No limitations. Well, as I thought more about this, there are some limitations that we might have. And here's what the Lord alongside of us. And he says, you know, even though you might have some limitations, he says, I'm going to be the grace that will give you the strength to do what I call you to do. Look at the passage I've laid out before us here. Such a great, great passage. It says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. So you don't have to be an intensely intelligent person. It says, not many mighty, which means that maybe you're not very strong health-wise. Not many noble, that means you might not have all the credentials and all the education and all the certification. You might not be prominent because of a family situation or heritage or whatever. So you're not going to be very strong. You're not going to be very mighty. You're not going to be very noble. Not a lot of those people are called. doesn't say they won't be called or none of them are called. It just says not many. It doesn't say not any. It just says not many. But God has chosen, though, the foolish things of the world, people like you and me, to put to shame those who are wise. And God has chosen the weak things that are not very strong to shame those that are very strong and the base things of the world that aren't very noble to help those that are often in great need. And why? To bring to nothing things that are that no flesh shall glory in his presence. So you don't have to have a great deal of limitations or a great deal of strength to do it. I made a list. I got this out of a book called The Purpose Driven Life. And I'm going to make this part of it short because the list was so long. Listen to this. Because some of you might say, I'd love to serve, but I really can't. I don't know enough. I'm not ready to do it. I haven't been in the church long. I haven't saved long enough. There's always a place for service for you here and in the community and maybe even your family. Abraham was old. And yet, through Abraham, the Jewish nation began. Leah was unattractive. In fact, she was often known as having weak eyes. So she couldn't see or she didn't look good through her eyes. Unattractive, Leah. And yet, think of how many families came out of Leah. Then Joseph was abused by his family and others. You think about tremendous dysfunctional family he had. And look what Joseph did. Moses, he stuttered. Elijah was suicidal. He said, I just want to die. So discouraged. And some of you might rest some of those tendencies. Jeremiah was so depressed, he was known as the weeping prophet. And yet God used him mightily. Martha, she worried a lot. She frittered around. Thomas doubted. Jesus doubted all that. Peter, who kept putting his foot in his mouth. Look at what Peter has done. 
The widow was so poor, but yet she could use a little that she had. 